Hello everybody, it's Monday afternoon and I've got a teaching that I want to share with you. Of course it's part 11 from Understanding Acts chapter 2 and it's part 2 of uh, the message concerning the trap that's found in physical and intellectual worship. Those narratives that are teaching mechanisms of worship uh, concerning how to uh, be a believer, I guess you could say. Well, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get started. Before I do, I want to welcome all my Facebook friends from around the world. I want to welcome my, my uh, podcast friends from around the world. I want to welcome Lift Him Higher Radio. And um, I want to tell you that we're changing our YouTube channel the 1st of March to a new name, under a new channel, it'll be under Mike Springston Ministries FFC, and uh, that'll be coming the 1st of March. We hope that all of you YouTube followers who have subscribed to us will follow us over to this new channel. We'll be posting much more information there, more video, and uh, more opportunity to hear the Word of God uh, taught, and so you come with us on YouTube. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God says. May we then apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, speak to us through the Holy Spirit. Let us know what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. From there, we'll receive it, and we'll release it to your people. And in releasing it to your people, we'll be changed, transformed, corrected, brought into a deeper understanding of truth. We give you praise and honor and glory for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. So the scripture to me is very clear that there must be an engagement with the Spirit. And that engagement becomes the means to draw critical parts of the life of a believer from being just a believer into a follower. Being a believer is a great thing, but being a follower is what Jesus Christ taught. We want to be able to follow the life and actions of Jesus Christ, all of them, from the cross all the way to Him being the man in the Godhead. We want to follow and understand that the acts of Jesus Christ are replicated in us by the operation of the Holy Spirit. We desire and we te think the Word of God teaches to engage with the Holy Spirit to both know and follow Jesus. Hi, Janet, Johnny. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the one who makes the actions of Jesus to be replicated in us. And in that replication comes a change from being a part of the human element and race to being a citizen of a kingdom. Our citizenship changes, and the Holy Ghost is the one who causes that to occur. We come from being ones who were under an operation of a master, which was the prince of the power of the air and the principalities and rulers of darkness and high places, 
to changing our citizenship until we became a citizen that went from serving a dark and evil master to being reconciled to become an ambassador of a new kingdom. And the Holy Ghost does all of that for us. Our citizenship is attached to the works and replications of Jesus Christ as we become a part of that kingdom. The Holy Spirit is the connection that causes the Word of God to become alive in us. That means that the Word of God no longer is just a book, but it has revelation. It has a depth to it that comes alive. Paul said that it quickens us. He quickens us and makes us alive. The Holy Spirit is the means through which we engage with that revelation of the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit is the means through which we engage with Jesus Christ in His position as the man in the Godhead bodily. Now the key condition that I want you to recognize here is the term engagement. If we're to follow Him, we cannot do so unless and until we understand the concept of engagement. If we don't understand that, then we are not truly operating in the actions of Jesus that are replicated by the Holy Spirit. The simple factor must be, this factor must be embraced by the church. And it must be embraced by the church as a whole. The physical worshiper and the intellectual worshiper, they must embrace the concept of engagement. This is not for us to be able to understand as an intellectual embrace uh, because if we do, we will think from our natural side and our natural man will devalue the work of the Holy Spirit. If we think of it from a physical work, well, we will satisfy our soul and in so doing, we will consume any spiritual depth by our own lusts for physical manifestations. You have to engage with the Spirit, my friend. Understanding this as our premise, let's continue part two of the trap of physical and intellectual worship. Now, those who are operating here find their own inhibitors to their spiritual growth and maturity, just as with attempts that they do to worship in the intellect and make it all about the written word, or the physical and make it all about a physical satisfaction, these present barriers that one must face and that one has to deal with. The concept of dealing with the sin nature, for instance, that sin nature seems to have a will of its own, and in fact it does. It has a master. His name is Satan. The principality and power and rulers of darkness and high places, the prince of the power of the air, the master of evil. The idea then of that, that love 
and the advancement of love towards everyone without any weight of judgment or truth becomes a real issue here for the physical and the intellectual. The concept of grace then to them becomes almost an inspiration towards one continuing to sin without concern for any breach of relationship. Why? Because the barriers that they face have been breached by intellectual picking, pecking, choosing, and tearing on the Word of God and physical lust, satisfaction of oneself that says, this is what worship is to me. These have become almost inspirational to those that are operating in the physical and the intellectual. And in these two circles, there's very little concern for your having a breach of relationship with Jesus Christ. These all produce issues, both physical and intellectual, that their leadership find ways and means of which to navigate around. Now notice, they're doing this navigation without any true revelation of the Spirit. It's all physical. It's all based upon soulish lust. It's all in the physical realm. It's based upon the soulish side of man, how one feels, what his emotions are, what his will is saying about the emotions. On the intellectual side, it has much the same soulish realm. This is what I think. This is what I analyze. This is what I see. There's no revelation of the Spirit of God here because they are not engaged with the Spirit of God. They're attempting to do this with no engagement that is sent from a replication of the action of Jesus Christ to renew their mind. So what's the outcome for those who are determined to seek God through these means? Well, they become very shallow concerning spiritual things. Well, they, they don't want to believe in what Jesus taught concerning things such as healing, any sort of manifestation, any sort of leading, any sort of comforting, any sort of his promises that were directed to mankind and directed to the apostles whom he said, I'm praying for those who are going to believe because of their word. No, they have no means. They become very shallow spiritually. Therefore, they build doctrines that allow for spiritual shallowness. Think about that. They operate more closely, as I've said, in being related to the world of darkness than to the world of light. Here's something even deeper. They never become citizens of the kingdom of God. Now, I've expressed the means to accomplish this citizenship, but since it is not taught as a possibility by those who spend their time doing physical things 
try to experience Christ or those who try to do mental things to try to experience Christ. They can't come to the place where their sin is controlled and their sin nature is forced to be destroyed. Their conversation does not change, in other words, concerning their spiritual life. Why? They don't know so. They don't know to change it because they build in doctrines that tell them that God has done everything they need to do uh, by Jesus Christ and there's nothing you need to do, that God now is willing to overlook your sin because of Jesus Christ. So they can never truly put on the new man and never truly be robed in righteousness. Why not? Look at 2 Corinthians 5.16. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. What is Paul saying? Paul saying that the flesh is not to be something that is known. Why? Because Christ gave us the means to die to the flesh. That's what Paul said in Galatians 5.24. They remain, the world that is remaining attached to the flesh is remaining and this, this goes for both sides of this, the physical and the intellectual. They're living without any engagement to the spirit of truth. Uh, this flesh thing remains in them as the occupier of the old man. Now, you cannot have the old man operating in you and put on Christ. The two are not compatible. You cannot serve two masters. Jesus plainly taught it. You can't talk the old conversation and talk about being born again. Can't do it. There's a battle going on. And the problem is, your spiritual life will be overcome by the world of darkness if you do not follow Jesus in his footsteps and do and accomplish the things through the Holy Ghost, through the Holy Spirit, that Jesus Christ accomplished. Paul said we don't know anybody by the flesh anymore. In other words, they die to that flesh when they come to Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If we are in Christ, now here is where I want you to hone in because I'm going to teach you today what being in Christ means. All right? In order to come away from darkness into light, you must be in Christ. What does that mean? We must follow him wherever he goes, under whatever conditions of which he has been. We must become addressed, attached to him, in place, in time, in union, in step, and in communion. Being in him is accomplished in us by engagement with the Spirit. The Spirit replicates the works, now watch where I'm going here, of reproof in us that places us in Christ. Now, if we do not follow him, then we cannot experience the spiritual operation that Jesus declared 
that the Holy Spirit would do on our behalf. Now watch this because this is of extreme importance. In John 16, 8 through 11, and when he, came, when he is come, he will reprove, that word means to convict and convince. Now watch it because we have never understood the dynamics of what Jesus is about to say. He will reprove, convict and convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. What do you see here? Most see words, just words, because they read the scripture as though it were war and peace. The intellectual sees that the Spirit is doing a work to save us. The physical will see probably that he's doing the same thing. But is that really what's happening in John 16, 8 through 11? Because he said when he has come, he will convict and convince the world of three things. My friend, you're engaged with all three. This is a spiritual operation. It's not a mental operation. It's not an intellectual operation. It's not a physical operation that can be accomplished by your actions. As a matter of fact, your action of believing is the only action of which can bring you into the actions and works of Jesus Christ. But in order to get there, you can't go there on your own. You can't intellectually or physically determine that you can do it. That's what Jesus told in John 3, Nicodemus. This has to be done by the Holy Ghost convicting and convincing you. You are going to be engaged with the operation of the Holy Spirit if you're going to be saved. Now most of us will say, well that's all I need to do. That ain't what the Bible says. It's not what the scripture teaches. Jesus consistently said, follow me. Paul taught the same message. Follow me. Be an imitator of Christ as I imitate Christ. Follow me. It becomes, it is, it always was, and it always will be a spiritual operation. Not a physical move. No, no. You will come by engaging the Holy Ghost. One is convicted and convinced of sin, first of all. Sin is to be eliminated as the means that separated you from being condemned and brought you into a position where you are no longer condemned and you are now connected through your belief system of accepting the conviction and the convincing of being engaged to the work of Jesus Christ, the action of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that's what he was sent to do. So what if sin remains and what is convicted and what is convinced, now this is critical, 
the intellectual will tell us that grace then becomes the answer. The physical will tell us that we can worship and praise, get ourselves into the throne room of God and there find grace and mercy. Not so fast, my friend. What the Holy Spirit has done is to convict you and convince you that what Jesus did to forgive you of your sin must be not only believed, but believed to the extent that you are convinced that God sent Jesus Christ to die for sin, therefore sin is bad, wrong, and evil. And you will not live any longer there. That's what convincing means. It doesn't mean that you are convicted and I see myself as a sinner, but I accept what he did for me and I'm convicted of that and I'm convinced that he has done everything need to be done. That's not true. Paul didn't teach it that way. Paul said... I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet the life that I now live, I don't live by myself, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. Paul said that I die to my flesh, I crucify my flesh. I walk now after the Spirit, not after the flesh. Paul did not say there was nothing for you to do. And those that are teaching you that are teaching you error. They're teaching you a doctrine of error. Because what has to be done is you have to understand you are being convicted for sin and you are convinced that sin was the thing that sent your Savior to the cross. And in so sending, Sin is such an evil thing that you are going to follow Jesus so that sin can be eradicated out of your life. Ah. Wow, wow, wow. In being convicted of your sin, you are identifying with the displeasure of God concerning sin to the extent that God sent Jesus Christ to die for you and your sins so that you would not have to experience, live under, or serve the master of sin. So if you maintain sin, then whose servant are you? That's a very good question. Sin has a very great price, my friend. It cost Jesus Christ the only one of its kind. Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. Sin was very displeasing to God. The Holy Spirit convinced you and me and every believer that sin is a damnable, dastardly problem that came from the fall of man and is inside of man and man is living by a nature and serving a master who is a master of evil and darkness. But at the cross, your service changed. You were convicted and your service changed. 
You are no longer led by the master of sin. You are now convinced that what Jesus did with sin has made you free from that bondage and captivity and you take on another master and you live in service to that greater one who died for you and gave his life for you. What a message. What a thought. The Holy Spirit convicted you. Why under any condition would sin ever be promoted as something that one who has been convicted and convinced by the Holy Ghost. Now think about who's doing this in your life. By the Holy Ghost. He is the one that is reproving you. That you could ever live under, around, exploiting, exposing, operating in, sharing sin, and call themselves acceptable to God. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us otherwise. Then what is the Spirit driving us by convicting and convincing us towards? Now that we've got this sin factor identified as being convicted and convinced of a different servitude, of finding a different master, of locating a different orchestrator of whom we're going to step into time, place, union, and communion and be in that new master. We're not any longer going to serve sin. As a matter of fact, we're going to shun sin and we're going to move as far away from sin as we can because we are now coming in to Jesus Christ. We're not done yet. We've got things we've got to accomplish. Along the way, we've got to die to our flesh. We've got to crucify those works of lust. Now, the performance people, they have a problem here because they are satisfied by the beat of the music, by the dance, by cheer, by whatever the case may be. And they struggle to set aside their flesh nature because their flesh nature brings them to a state of euphoria. And in that state of euphoria, they misunderstand that to be a spiritual condition. It is not. It never has been. Nor will it ever be. It is a place that you go to in the physical and you perform in the physical, but it does not engage the spiritual. Ha! Now the intellectual, on the other hand, will say, I've come to the cross, and I've accepted the work of Jesus Christ. And therefore, intellectually, I say that grace has done it all for me, the love of God has done it all for me, and now I have moved right on in to being called the righteousness of God. Uh, let me say how I'll say this. No, you haven't. I'm going to teach you that. I, my 30-minute time here is running very thin. But I'm going to show you at what point you enter in 
to Christ. I'm going to teach you how God designed the plan of God to bring you through each step of Jesus Christ until in John 16, Jesus through the Holy Spirit divided the word of truth so that you could engage to the extent that the prince of the power of the air would no longer have any position of voice and seat in your life. Now when you come into him as a servant at the cross, you have not yet experienced this. This is why the world struggles. They still are operating with a sin nature, with a sin understanding because that's how they were born. And no one is telling them how to destroy the sin that is in them and the sin nature that is birthed on the end. But I'm going to. I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to show it to you from the word of God. Not from what I think. Not from what I want. But I'm going to show it to you from the word of God. And you will have to reconcile yourself to the word of God. That's what Paul told them in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said you will be reconciled and called as if God called you himself. And you will be reconciled and called into a new citizenship. Sin has no place in that citizenship. Well, bless God, I'm already at 30 minutes. I wish I could go on, but I can't. You'll just have to come back. I see Tammy, and I saw a couple of names in there that I did not recognize, but I see Jason. Friend, I want to tell you something. We've got a lot of great information that the Word of God has already given us that we just don't pay attention to. Why? Because we're performing. Because we're intellectualizing. I want you to engage with the Spirit of God. It is from that Spirit that Jesus said that he was leaving him. He was sending him, rather. And that when he sent him, it would be that Spirit of engagement from which he would never leave you and from which he would comfort you. We will come to the cross and find a new servitude. We will move forward to destroy our flesh. Now on our next one, I'm going to tell you about the beauty of what happens for you as the Holy Spirit takes you and delivers you from the region of the damned and robes you in righteousness. God, minister to your people. Open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear. Now, heart, that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us. Then may we simply be changed and transformed. May it bless us. May it move us. May it cause us to be encouraged. May you bring us into comfort, peace, and refreshing. We give you praise in Jesus' name. May God bless you as my prayer, my Facebook friend. And I'll be talking to you sometime tomorrow as we pick up on part three of the trap of physical and intellectual worship. God bless you. 
My, my friends on podcast, find him as Jesus. Find him as the Lord, and there you'll find him as the man of whom you will control your environment by using his name. Find him as the man in the Godhead, and he'll speak to you and show you great and mighty things that are to come. May God bless you until we speak again.